Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. Let's pray that. Let's pray that together. I just invite you to put your hand on your heart. Life flows through the heart. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing. simple act of just laying our hand over our heart we just ask you right now God anything apart from you let it fall away anything apart from you God let it just fall away right now just take your hand and put it on your head right now and we just declare God anything apart from you let it fall away let it fall away let it fall away right now God We surrender to you. We ask for clean hands and a pure heart today, God. We ask for things in life, God, that sometimes bring such high levels of anxiety and fear and hurt and pain and trauma or whatever that it is, God, that, Lord, we don't carry that on our own. But truly everything, God, everything in our hearts, everything in our minds, everything in our lives that we've allowed in, that's apart from you, God, we just declare right now, let it fall away, let it fall off. And now, God, I just pray your peace right now. I just declare your peace, peace that surpasses understanding. Feel that broken heart, feel that hurting heart, God. Feel that heart right now, feel that mind. Feel that mind, God, that's been confused. Feel that mind, God, that's just been carrying such such uh, worry and fear. Lord, fill it with your wisdom right now in Jesus' name. Fill us with your presence. Let joy be released into every heart and every mind right now, God. Your joy, your perfect joy, God, let your joy be released right now, Lord. We thank you. We honor you. We're grateful, God, for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. We just pray your anointing to continue to flow. We pray your anointing on the Word of God today. Your Word, Lord, let your Word speak. Let your Word speak, God. Let every ear, let the ears be open. Let our hearts be open. Let our minds be open, God. Let there not be any distractions in any of us to hear what you want to speak into each one of us today, God. And you be glorified and you bring the change that's needed in each and every one of our hearts, God. And we give you all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Thank you, guys. Thank the Lord. Amen. Welcome. We're going to take up the morning tithe and offerings. And I'm excited to share with you what God's put on my heart today. Just a few announcements. Things happening this week. Um, this Tuesday, we have the Father's Heart Prayer it's a beautiful time we come, sit in circle here and just enjoy the presence of the Lord and just listen to His voice and pray those things out together. And so you can be here for that. It's from 7 to 8.30 on Tuesday night in the sanctuary. And then Wednesday, um, we begin our marriage uh, class last week, just pouring into to our marriages and our relationships. And so last week's class is online if you were not able to be here for that. And then the second part of that will be this Wednesday. It's Valentine's. Valentine's Day, so we're going to do some special things this Wednesday, have a few things we're going to give away and just bless some some folks with, and so we're excited about that. And then um, 
the crew is having, our youth is having a game night and fellowship night this coming Saturday, February 16th from 7 to 11. So if you have young people, get them here for that um, if you're able to. Amen. And then I just want to give a shout out to Miss Tammy and all of our children's ministry workers for just pouring into our children. They had winter blasts last night, and so um, I got to enjoy some of the pictures. But thank you, everyone, all of our children's ministry leaders, those that come and, and take time to pour into our kids. Man, what a blessing you are, and let's honor them real quick. Amen. Let's thank them. And... Um, uh, all those little things and big things actually, but they just create such powerful memories and loving on our children. So thank you for that. Amen. Let's take up the tithe and offerings. And uh, so Father, we thank you. You're so faithful uh, in us and to us, God. And so we just thank you that you're our provider and we thank you for this house. We thank you the provision of this house and for the provision over every individual and every family, God. And we give back, we sow, God, our tithe in obedience to you, Lord. And then we give our offering, God, in abundance above that, God, just sowing those seeds and pouring into your kingdom. We want to be kingdom-minded. So, God, help us to continually grow in that, Lord. And we ask you just to use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, we invite all the children for Children's Church to come and meet Miss Tammy and her, her workers, helpers, leaders today. We love you guys. You guys have a great time in Children's Church. you, Pastor Jim. Amen. Grab your Bibles and uh, turn to the book of Revelation in chapter 4. Revelation in chapter 4. And, uh, and then we're going to end up in just a little bit, I think, in uh, in First Timothy, maybe. But uh, we're going to just see how far the Lord lets us get here this morning. But I'm excited to share this with you. God's really begin to pour on my heart to uh, just to speak into this community uh, about God's holiness and 
and not just his holiness, but I think ultimately um, our response to the holiness of God. So our response to the holiness of God. So turn to Revelation there and look in chapter four. And um, I think I was gonna start at verse eight, but let's just, let's just read this. Let's just go to verse one because I want us to get this picture uh, so beautiful in our hearts and in our minds, thinking about the holiness of God. Revelation in chapter four, verse one. says, after these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I'll show you the things which must take place after this. Verse two, immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven and one set on the throne. And he who sat there was like Jasper and a a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Just try to picture this in your mind the best that you can. Verse four, and around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. And the four living creatures, the first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature was like a calf, the third living creature had the face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a a flying eagle, verse 8. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. And then they cast their, their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. One of the most powerful, powerful, powerful passages of scripture that we have, uh, amen, of the throne room of God. And so I want to just talk a little bit about this because through, through John's vision, we get a glimpse into the throne room of God, the four living creatures crying out day and night. In other words, they never stop. So day and night, they're crying out, And the scripture says they're crying out, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And then again, I want to talk about our response this morning. And so the 24 elders responding, right, falling down before the Holy One saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I've been thinking about this a little bit and how the Bible never says that he is love, 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 even though he is love, right? 
It doesn't say that he's mercy, 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 or, or anything. It says he is holy, 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 and the whole earth is full of his glory. I want us to begin to think today, and I just feel like God, again, he just wants to speak into this community and begin to release into us and remind us of the holiness of God. I'm so thankful for the love of God. Aren't you guys thankful for the love of God? I need it every moment of the day and for the mercy of the Lord, right, and the grace of the Lord and all of these different things that allow us to draw near to the Lord and to have a personal relationship with Him, right, and to feel safe with Him. And there's that, again, there's that intimacy that we're able to step into as sons and daughters when we understand the love of God and the mercy of God and and the grace of God. But I think sometimes we're not mindful of the holiness of God. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Amen? So I just, walking into this, and the primary meaning of holy is, 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 uh, is separate. So, so when the Word says that He is holy, it means that He is transcendently separate. That God is transcendently separate. It's the, it's the beauty of God. It's his holiness. It says in Exodus chapter 15 11, it says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness? Everybody say holy. God, awaken our revelation in this church, in this house, in this body, in this community to your holiness. For God to be holy is for him to be holy in relation to every aspect of his nature and his character. So it's who he is. Like he is, every part of him, everything about him, he is holy. He is, he is transcendently separate. Okay? Holy, holy, holy. So when we look at this, so it, what it tells us then is his love is a holy love. And his justice is holy justice. And his mercy is holy mercy. And his wisdom is holy wisdom. Everything about him is holy. Everything that he does is holy. Holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of your glory. Amen. He's holy. So what's our response to the holiness of God? And I'm going to, I want to get into 1 Timothy, so I'm not going to turn and read this. You guys, most of you should know this, and um, you can go back and read it, but I was thinking about him as holy. I was thinking about my own life. I was thinking about the church family and this, the kingdom of God. And thinking, what's our response to the Holy One? And I thought about in Numbers, it's in chapter 20, where God commanded Moses to call the people together. And then God told Moses to take his rod and speak to the rock. You guys remember the story, right? Moses, take your rod, get, gather the people together and, and speak to the rock. And God said, and, and water, would, water would come out for the people. And so as, as Moses gathered the people, you know, he was upset. He was upset with the people. 
uh, because of their behavior, they were grumbling these different things. Moses was, Moses was frustrated. So instead of, he gathers them together, and then instead of, instead of speaking to the rock, doing, doing what God commanded, he took the rod and he struck the rock twice. Amen? I'm so glad that even, even in his disobedience, God still provided for the people and water came out of the rock. But when you look at this story, his anger with the people overcame his fear of God. When his fear of God should have overcome his anger. I'm talking about the holiness of God. I'm talking about our response to it. When you read this story, you'll find that this one act, this one act kept Moses and Aaron from entering the promised land. Moses never saw the land in which he came so close. He was right there. So why? What kept him out? And you'll find when you go back and read this in Numbers chapter 20, he, God, God answers this question. He, he, t- he gives it in, in verse 12, and he gives it in, verse, in, in, I think, chapter 27 as well, verse 14. So verse 20, 12, and verse 27, 14 of Numbers. And this is what God said to Moses. He says, because you did not believe me to, to um, hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, because you did not hallow me in the, in the eyes of the children of Israel. That word hallow, that word hallow means to regard, to regard uh, or, or to honor as, as holy. So you did not regard me as holy. How many remember the prayer Jesus taught us, the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, right? Hallowed be your name. Holy, everybody say holy. He's holy. He's a holy God. A holy God, a holy God calls for a response from the people that are following him to regard him, to hallow him as holy. So you read this through numbers and you see where, where, what, what happened here with Moses and what he was dealing with. And then the, the root sin, the root sin was irreverence. And so the irreverence was, was the cause of Moses' disobedience. He didn't regard him as holy before the people. Amen? So it made me think about, God, awaken this, awaken this, awaken this in our hearts, this desire, this revelation of your holiness, God, that we can see you holy, that we can have visions as John had to see you on the throne, God, to see you on your throne, to see the glory of you on the throne, where we're crying out to you, God, day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, God. And let us let us live, God, and let it, let it begin to awaken in in us as your sons and daughter, God, to regard you as holy in our actions, God, to trust you in what you do, God, to not let the little things happen in our life, God. When you say, speak to the rock, that we speak to the rock, God, that we we regard you as holy in every area of our life, God. And we see this consequence again, and it, it ended up keeping Moses and Aaron from stepping into and receiving and enjoying and encountering the full inheritance that God had for them. It's powerful when you think about it. Go to 1 Peter. This is, this is such a beautiful passage of Scripture. 
First Peter in chapter one. It's talking about living before God, and, it, and it's coming right out of these, these first uh, 12 verses before verse 13 here in First Peter in chapter 1, where it's talking about our inheritance, the inheritance that we have in Christ. And then here in verse 13, he begins to talk about what it looks like to live before God our Father, to live before the Holy One. Let's read this together, First Peter 1 in verse, uh, verse 13. Listen to this. So it says, therefore, because of your inheritance, because of what, what he has for you, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's so, so powerful. Verse 14, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout time, that throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by, tra by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Have you guys read that in a while? I love that. It is so powerful, especially when you read those first 12 verses that's talking about the inheritance that we have in him. And then he walks us in here and he begins to just give some powerful things here. But I just want to draw some things out to you because I'm talking about our response to the holy, our response to holy God. And he says here, first he starts off, now that you know your inheritance, he says, prepare your minds for action. Where it says, gird up the loins of your mind, God's saying, church, prepare your minds. Prepare your minds for actions. Prepare your minds to live this life out while you're here before your holy God. Prepare your minds. And then this is what we miss sometimes, this instruction that's here that helps us live holy as he is holy. So he says, gird up the loins of your minds, and then this. He says, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus. Okay, so don't, don't miss this. Listen, just let it just wash over you again. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus. So when we're talking about our response to the holy and living our lives holy. And then you read here in 1 Peter chapter 13, it's not about trying harder. It's not about your own efforts, right? When you try to do things in your own way, in your own effort, in your own strength, that's a religious spirit. That's a religious spirit. And you'll, you'll never get anywhere like that. So holiness is about locking your eyes on Jesus. 
It's about fully locking your eyes on Jesus. And then the scripture says that as you do, then the continual revelation of who he is will be revealed to you. Holy, holy, holy. So this pursuit of of, of guarding our minds, girding up our minds, and preparing our minds for action, and seeing him as holy, and becoming holy, doesn't come from Scott trying to, in my own strength, make try to control my mind, try to have good thoughts, try to not do this, trying to control my anger, trying to not get offended, try not to lust, try not to this, try not to that. This scripture says the way to it is to fall on your knees, man, and you lock eyes with Jesus, and you see him, and you see him as holy. Then all of a sudden you begin to cry out, holy, 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 and then you see his holiness at a greater depth, man, and the more you see him, the more his holiness is revealed in us. And the scripture goes on to say that as as the revelation of Jesus begins to open up in your heart and in your minds as you see him, that that there's this, this grace then that is continually brought upon you. Isn't that powerful? Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that's going to be brought upon you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's about gazing upon him. And everything that happens around us is causing us and works around us to draw our gaze off of him. Jesus says, you want to live holy, you've got to lock eyes with me. I love this scripture. It goes on. It says, to be holy, to be holy in all of your conduct. Be holy. He says, be holy, for I am holy in verse 16. I love this scripture in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. It says, conduct yourselves throughout, or or he finishes here in in 1 Peter, uh, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Conduct, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. In other words, your time here, guys, is temporary. Don't get distracted by what's going to draw you away. Don't get distracted by the things that's going to try to take your eyes off of Jesus because as your eyes are locked upon him, grace is going to continue to be poured upon you. You're going to continue to gain revelation. You're going to see him more, and it's going to empower you to live this thing out in godly conduct. But as this is, as this is happening, as you live, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is, for it is God. It is God holy who works in you both to will and for his good pleasure. Think about this again, guys. Listen to this. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God, holy, who works in you for his will and his good pleasure. Holy. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Everything that we carry within us, man, like there should be this, there should be this fear, there should be this trembling in us. If we're carrying offense, if we're carrying sin, if we're, if we're giving in to an addiction, man, like all these things the scripture work these things out work out your salvation with fear and trembling because you serve a holy god come on man it's like a not a very familiar or or, or uh, popular uh, sermon in within the church today 
We want to patty cake people in their sin and in their wrongdoings and their wrong actions, man. And instead of help leading them into freedom, we're just keeping them bound. God says, I want you free. Jesus, that scripture, I love it. At the end of it, it says, because you weren't redeemed by material things of gold and silver and this and that, but you were redeemed and set free by the precious blood of the Lamb. Like we should be seeking holiness, not just because we want to please God, not just because we want to get to heaven, because we know we need to, but when you understand what freed you, it will press you to guard how you live more. I think of this analogy that, that if there was someone that I loved that was, that, was, um, that, was, that was maybe put in prison for a, a certain action and, and the only way to get them out was that if I, had to, if I had to give everything in my life away for them to be free. And I, and I go and I sell everything, I give everything away. And even if it would cost me my own life to see them free. And then they're free, and they get out, and then they go back and live right back in bondage. Come on. That's what it's talking about here in in 1 Timothy here in chapter 1 of recognizing our identity and who we are in Him and what He's done for us in this holy, holy, holy God that is calling us to be holy as He is holy and that we're not not just um, uh, uh, void of any strength or hope or help to do. Like He's equipped us and empowered us to live this way. This is what we're going to dig into a little bit. But guys, I want my life to bring Him pleasure. I love what it says that, that we work out our salvation with, tre- with fear and trembling because he is holy, both, uh, both to do his will and for his good pleasure. I want my life to bring him pleasure. I want my thoughts to bring him pleasure. I want my communication to bring him pleasure. Come on, guys. I want when I'm all around and no one, no one is there to see. I want my life, my private life, my open life, I want everything about my life, my thoughts, everything to, be, to bring Him pleasure. And this is what God is calling us into here as we recognize His holiness and begin to regard Him as holy and, and, and so conduct yourselves. And then again, it finishes here and it says, because you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Everybody say Holy. Remember when, you remember when, when uh, Jesus met the woman at the well in John's, the Gospel of John in chapter 4? <clears throat> he, he, says, he says to this, to this Samaritan woman, he says, if you knew the gift of God, and, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. This has always stuck out to me a little bit. He says, if you knew, if you knew the gift of God, in other words, if you knew, if you knew who he was. I'm talking about the holiness of God and I'm talking about our response to his holiness and, and I'm wanting us to see this morning that it's about the revelation of who Jesus is. It's all about the revelation of who Jesus is. 
If you knew the gift of God, if you knew, if, if you knew who, who I was, he says, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. But this water, he says, this water, everything, in other words, everything apart from me is just going to make you thirst again. I would have given you living water. Here's this water. But everything apart from me is going to make you thirst again. And then, he, and then he says in John, in chapter 4 and verse 14, he says, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but, but, but the water that, that I shall give him will, uh, 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 will in him will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life everlasting life. What I want to see about this is it's about seeing Jesus, about knowing who's there, and about locking eyes on him, because the point this is making is that it's that river, it's that stream, it's the living water that he puts inside of us. So our response to holiness, like holiness isn't from the outside in, which is what we've been taught to do so many times through church, and, and while we fall short so many different times, but it's not about from the outside in, it's about from the inside out it's from the inside out it's as we gaze at him as we drink of that water that he gives it becomes in you a fountain that springs up into everlasting life it's truly a miracle we love miracles and I'm grateful for all the miracles that I've experienced and seen and heard of of dead people raising and, and blind eyes being opened and all this stuff. But this is really the greatest miracle that in a split second you can go from dead to alive. That in Christ, in a split second, you can go from dead to alive by what he puts inside of you. That's it. That is your journey into, into holiness. Not, not trying to get holy on your own or, or act holy, but waking up to what you've, be, what you've been brought into and ultimately what is, what is inside of you and then you to let that thing spring forth, to let it spring forth. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, and old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. I'm wanting us to do two things this morning in regards to the holiness of God. I want us to see him as holy. I want us to lock eyes with Jesus. And then I want us to see what, what as sons and daughters of the king, what we have inside of us. So this scripture is so powerful in, in revealing if anyone's in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And then in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, it says, For he, who, he, he made him who knew no sin to be, to be sin for us. Why? Why did Jesus do it? That we might become the righteousness of God. Holy. That we could become holy, guys. That we could become Holy. Have you ever felt like becoming holy was impossible? Like, honestly, did you ever feel that way? Like, you know you're supposed to, and you know you want to, and you have this desire to, to please God, and you know he's a holy God, right? 
But then you're kind of like Paul. It's like, man, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things I, really, I, I, I shouldn't do and I don't want to do, those things I end up doing. And then there's this battle of the flesh and the spirit. And we, we live in this place, you know. And then sometimes I feel like, again, I feel, I feel like one of our greatest obstacles as humans is trying to overcome and do things on our own, right? Like trying to clean ourselves up. That's the beauty of the story of the woman at the well is Jesus knew everything about her and nothing outside of her had to change for her to come to the Lord. It all happens inside, right here. And if you would know who it is before you, and if you would ask him for a drink, he'll give you living water. And through that living water, there it, it, it will result in a spring raising up in, uh, inside of you. God's called us to be holy as he is holy. Jesus came, made us new, became sin for us, took that sin upon himself that we might become the righteousness of God. I just want to tell you this morning, you go deeper in your journey of holiness by connecting to what has happened inside of you. Knowing who and what dwells inside of you. A new creation. Old things are gone, right? I'm being transformed by the renewing of my, my mind. Behold, all things are becoming new. Who are you? You're not the old man in Christ, you're a new creation. We need, to be, we need to be called back to that this morning. I'm not the same man, I'm not the same woman. In Christ, I'm a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Now I want to share a few things with you about that that we should be experiencing as we recognize what, because when we see what he has done for us and what we see what he can do inside of us as we let him, it will lead us in holiness. But we have a new nature. Part of becoming a new creation is that we have a new nature. You know why we have a new nature? Because the scripture says, because now you are born of God. Like in Christ, when we become born again, now we're born of God. And when you're born of God, you take on a new nature. It says in 1 John 3 and 8, it says Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Why would we play with what Jesus paid to destroy? Why would we continue to allow that compromise in our lives as sons and daughters and inside the church and inside the kingdom of God when the very scripture says what we come into through the blood of Christ by faith is we become a new creation in Him. The old is gone and the new has come. So now we're born of God and we take this new, this new nature understanding what Jesus done and that He came truly to destroy the works of the devil, not minimize it. Not minimize it. You can't minimize Moses' disobedience out there and the cost that he had to pay because he didn't regard the holy. Come on. He did it his way. He's still with the rock. He still called the people. Water still came out, but he wanted to do it his way. God says there's only one way, and it's my way. Come on. My way is holy. I'm holy. 
regard the holy, regard the holy, regard the holy. So there's this new nature. There's this new nature. Now, now listen to this. It goes out of that in 1 John 3, 8 that says Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And then it says this. Now, this is hard for people to grasp. This is the word of God. So go ahead and grasp it. It says, whoever has been born of God does not sin. It says, for his seed remains in him. His seed, God's seed remains in him. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Be holy, for I am holy, saith the Lord. How many want to be holy? Like I'm preaching to myself this morning, I'm like, God, there's some things in me that need broken off. There's some things in my mind, maybe some things in my heart, things that I carry, right? Whatever that it is, thoughts. God, I want to be holy as you are holy, God. I want to lay before you, God. I want everything to be pure in my life. I want to become holy. I want to walk out this life, God, with fear and trembling, knowing that I don't want anything in my life to separate me from you, God. You know the beauty in this message? Is that the message of God's, God's holiness isn't condemning, it's life living. It's life living, it's life giving. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The call to righteousness and the call to holiness is not a call to judge people. It's not a call to, 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 to feel uh, uh, shame and guilt. It is a call into our identity as sons and daughters. It's Jesus saying, I've made a way for you to live holy. I've put something inside of you that can empower you to live holy. I've not left you on your own. You can live this life. And everything through me is going to be so much better. It's so much better. I want you to live this way because what I have for you is so much better than anything in the world. Oh, church, step out of compromise. Step out of the thing, even the little things. Instead of, instead of speaking to a rock, striking the rock with the stick, man. Oh, let's regard him as holy. Let's know his word. Let's learn his word. And let's obey his word in every step that we take. Regarding him as holy. New creation. There's a new nature. We have a new nature. We have, we have, we have new desires as sons and daughters of the king, and we step into him, and we recognize him as holy, and we're viewing him in that throne room that John had in Revelation in chapter 4, and we see the four living creatures, man, all day and all night, never ending, crying out, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty, holy, 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 and then we see the elders, the 24 elders falling down and casting their gold crowns before him, saying, worthy, 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 is the lamb holy 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 are you god worthy 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 are you god holy 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 are you god first timothy uh, chapter 1 and verse 13 gird up your minds gird up your minds fix your minds on jesus as you lock eyes with him the scripture says and as you begin to see him and you see his purity and you see he's holy 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 then all of a sudden he will begin to pour grace upon you and it'll open up a revelation more of who Jesus is, man. And through that, there's this empowering then. And it begins to shift. And you begin to realize through that that you're a new creation in Christ, man. Old things are gone and new things have come upon you.
And then it begins to change our nature. It changes our desires now. As you begin to see him, his holy, things unholy, are, you're going to recognize them. You're gonna, they're going to turn your stomach. You're not going to want to have anything to do with them because you've seen the Lord. You've seen the Lord. And nothing that you could ever see on this earth would ever compare to seeing the Lord. It'll begin to change your desires. It changes your destiny. Now you have a new destiny because now your destiny is eternal life. Talking about being a new creation, regarding him as holy. And what's our response to the holy? A new nature, new desires, new destiny. And I think this is one thing I want to make sure that we dig into a little bit this morning. Because again, I want you to understand that you weren't left powerless but part of, part of this, uh, what he's done for us and, and seeing who's inside of us and who we are in him is understanding that now you have a new power over sin. You've been equipped to, over, to overcome, to overcome sin. So you're no longer, you're not sinners that are struggling to love God, but you're lovers of God who wrestle with temptation of the flesh and yet have been equipped to overcome it. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. You've been equipped to overcome it. You've been equipped to step over that thing. You've been equipped to turn away from it. You've been equipped to conduct yourselves in a holy way. You've been equipped to live in a way that you can approach and dwell and rest in the presence of a holy God. Because you've been empowered to, you've been empowered uh, to overcome these things. And then ultimately, ultimately I feel like we have new nature, we have new desires, we have new destiny, we have new power over sin, and we have a new DNA. You are a child of God. Come on, how many of you can testify you're a child of God? How many of you are thankful I'm a child of God? How many of you know if you're a child of God, it should change you? Like if we're truly a child of God, it changes you. His DNA is in you, and now you begin to look like him. And when you don't look like him, swiftly and quickly, because you've been empowered to overcome it, the Holy Spirit will convict you, and it'll, it'll let you know you're not looking like me. But when we have a new DNA, guys, and we are genuine in our walk and our journey with the Lord, and we're focused on Jesus, we're gazing at Him, man, it changes our new DNA. Jacob's, Jacob's 6 1 or something, I don't know, 6 something, and I'm 5 10, and actually I think I'm getting shorter. I don't know how that happens when you get older, but it seems like I'm getting shorter. I think I was 5 10, now I might be 5 9. Red hair, light complexion. Jacob's tall, dark hair, dark complexion. But he's got my DNA in him. And if he was here today, I could have him come up and walk by me, and y'all would crack up. Because all, everything about our mannerisms is the same. He walks the way that I walk. Like you can see, you can see me in him. Come on, I'm talking to someone. I'm talking about how we regard the holy. I'm talking about us beginning to recognize that we're not, we're, not just, we're not just sinners trying to love a holy God, but we're lovers of a holy God that are, that are living our life, empowered to overcome the temptations of our flesh and to conduct ourselves in our, in our time here in a way that regards Him as holy.
His love is holy. His justice is holy. All of his ways is holy. His discipline is holy. He cannot be anything but holy. Holy, 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 holy. Everything that he's done for us is that we can become like him. Come on. And we, we, I got, I got trying to, we just, we justify, I feel like. I think we justify, sometimes we excuse because, you know, maybe, maybe you've said, you've heard people say it, you know, you know, the thing is though, I'm not, I'm not Jesus. I'm not, I'm not Jesus. Jesus never sinned. I'm not Jesus. We'll say things sometimes to justify some of our bad behavior, even though it might not be murder or drug addiction or this or that or whatever, right? And we, we sometimes we justify that. And I think a lot of times we can justify lack of holiness and the pursuit of holiness in our life under the covering that God is love. So he's love. He understands. He understands that I'm just going through a really, 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 really hard time right now and that things are difficult. I know he really, really, really knows my heart is to love him. So he understands what I'm going through. And and so I I think, you know, it's just okay right now that, that I drink this water over here because I really feel like it's going to satisfy my flesh in this moment and kind of help me get through through you know this hard season that I'm in. And all of a sudden we let things in and we justify things. Come on, man. And we begin to lean on other things and we're gazing at them and we're drinking that water instead of the water that he has for us. Amen. And, and again, if, you, if, we continue to, if we continue to excuse those things, if we continue to let things in our life that aren't holy and we continue to drink of those things those things never satisfy so you know what happens when you're not satisfied with that drink then you get another drink right then you drink some more of this then you open this door up then you open up this door then you open up this door and before we even know it man we're just we we feel so distant from him even if we want to see him it's hard for us to see him because of all the junk that we've let in our lives and it's like God calling us to a place in his great love and his great mercy and his holiness all out of love he wants us to be free and he made a way for us to be free. And he made a way for us to be holy. Amen? And not, not, not in any way begin to conform to the things of this world. But I, when I just look at this, I just think we need a bigger view of the work of God inside of us than we have of what's working outside of us. Amen? And when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Living water springs forth on the inside of you, a rushing river dwelling inside your spirit, Holy Spirit. Again, how do we, how do we, how do we respond to holy? What's our, what's our, how are we going to regard him as holy? How do we live this life out as new creations and truly begin to pursue the holy in our, in our walk, in our acts, in our minds, with our ears, with our eyes, in all these different areas? How do we, how do we do this? And then again, that, that first Timothy chapter one brings us in that everything is about gazing upon Jesus. If we gaze upon Jesus, man, then he begins to pour this 
grace upon us that it empowers us to, to rise up against it. But so much of what I want us to see today is us as, as new creations, as sons and daughters of the King, beginning to recognize who you have inside of you. Who you have inside of you, that river, just like he told that woman in in John chapter 4, man, springs of living water will rise up within you, man. I want to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in us. And, you know, I I was just thinking about this, but in regards to holy, the holy God, but I'm thinking, you know, um, Holy Spirit's first name isn't the, it's Holy. It's holy. He's holy. Think about this. Where's Holy Spirit? Where's Holy Spirit? I hope he's inside of you. But he's holy. I'm talking about a holy God. I'm talking about us being new creations in Christ and this life that he's called us into to conduct ourselves in a holy way that's reflecting his glory across the earth and then recognize because again, sometimes the enemy lies and we feel so powerless, but I want you to know that is an app. You have everything within you to live a holy life. You have holy inside of you because Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, the Spirit of God. That's why we can quench the Spirit and grieve the Spirit because holy is in us. When we, when we, when we, when we don't yield to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, we quench the Spirit. When we, when we allow things into our life that are not holy, it grieves the Holy Spirit. The more we gaze upon Jesus, the more we embrace holy inside of us, Holy Spirit, the more sensitive we're going to be to these things. Amen. Call us to holy. If we want to become more holy, we need to embrace the holy in us. The holy who dwells inside of you. You have a river. You have a river. You have a river inside of you. You have glory inside of you. How many of you know you got glory inside of you? How many of you got glory inside of you? You're not just your own anymore. You've got glory inside of you now. We, got, we have an opportunity to feed the glory or we could feed our flesh. Whatever you feed the most will grow the most in your life. It just always will. What you feed grows. We got glory. We got glory. We got holy, 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 holy dwells inside of us. When we feed that, that's what's going to begin to grow the most inside of us. Amen. If we want to become more holy, we need to begin to embrace Holy Spirit. I said this before, but I'm going to say it again that Christianity or living a holy life isn't about trying harder. It's looking at the glory. It's looking at the glory. It's looking at the holy and becoming. It's becoming. It's becoming from the inside out. As you, as you drink his living water, as you drink what he has, that he's going to stir up and, and like a fountain inside of you. As you drink his living water, that fountain springs up, the scripture says in John 4, into everlasting, into everlasting life. <clears throat> so, everybody good? So I'm just going to say this. 
who you really are is what's going on inside of you. Who you really are is what's going on inside of you. It's what's in your heart. It's what's in your mind. It's who you are in that private place whenever no one else is around. That's why the Sermon on the Mount is so important because Jesus deals with what's on the inside, right? That's why he comes, because he knows life is in here, life is in here. It's not what's on on the outside. We can all look good, right? And we know how to be, we know how to be churchy. We know how to do that. We know how to, how to say the right things and answer the right questions and these kinds of things. We know what to wear. We know, you know, we know how to look it. We know how to look it. And this is, why it, the, the, this is why it's so important that we begin to encounter and engage who is inside of us in the holy, right? Because, because becoming holy and growing as holiness happens from the inside out. It's like in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, you know, because Moses looked uh, focused on, on the outward. You know, Moses says, uh, you know, he, uh, you know he, who, he who commits the act of adultery, you know, bam, 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 bam. But Jesus says, but I say to you, whoever, whoever, whoever lusts after a woman with his eyes has committed adultery in the heart. Jesus wasn't concerned about how well we stood ourselves up around people. He was concerned about what was inside of here because he knew this is where holiness comes from. He knew that people could dress up and look the part and say the, say the right things, right? And appear to be holy and righteous as a powerful in God. And then yet their heart could just be so full of dirt. Come on. I'm talking about learning to recognize what is in what is inside of us, who who is inside of us, and locking eyes with Jesus, where we're we're pressing through these things. So what's in us? You know, thinking, you know, we struggle at times with jealousy or you know envy and lust or unforgiveness, pride. You know, all of these different things, all this stuff. Uh, we try to hide inside of us at times while attempting to look spiritual on the outside, right? And God wants to bring us past that. How many know God wants to bring us past that? I believe the altar needs to be restored in the church of God. I believe the altar needs to be restored. And I'm not talking about a, I'm not talking about a physical altar like this. You could have a physical altar and there's no altar ministry. But I believe that God wants to restore the altar, I believe that God wants to restore that place of genuine repentance where the Holy Spirit brings such a heavy conviction on people that they, don't, they feel the weight of his glory. And even in their dirtiness, they see his holiness. And then they begin to see his holiness more and see his holiness more. And as they're locked eyes on his holiness, man, there's just such a love and a desire that draws them to it, man, where they, just, they don't want anything that's not holy left in their life. And we have freedom and convictions and strongholds and chains and addictions broken just like that in one split second whenever under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and seeing the holy, someone decides to drink of the water that Jesus has. Come on. That begins to spring up inside of them as this fountain. I'm talking about the fear of the Lord. I'm talking about the fear of the Lord. To hallow to regard as holy. Saying, I want to live authentically real from the inside out to live holy. 
God's called us to, he's called us to something so much deeper than often than how we live. And it's learning how to drink from the river. It's learning how to receive. I think, I think a lot of the church understands this and we know this. I just think we always don't know how to drink of the river. Like we know the river's there. We know what, what's inside of us. We know the holy is in us. But it's, like, it's just like truly learning how to drink of that river and letting that fountain stir up inside of us. Amen? Learning how to receive, like fully encountering the extravagant love of God in his holiness, in his beauty, in his glory. Like living a life fully in, in, inside, fully satisfied with God. Fully satisfied with God. You know, the devil is not the author of pleasure you know all the enemy's pleasures counterfeit I mean, he's a good counterfeiter though I mean every commercial everything on TV every billboard everything in the world I mean it looks like this is pleasure but you know the enemy he, he is not he is not the author of pleasure and, and what he does, all, everything that he has counterfeit, it, it's a thirst that's never satisfied. God is the author of pleasure. And God's pleasure is authentic. God's pleasure is authentic. God's pleasure is authentic. What a lie from hell that the enemy pours into people that makes them think that if they pursue holiness, that there's no more pleasure. What they don't understand is they've never really experienced pleasure because all the pleasure that they've experienced was pleasure of the flesh. But the moment that that pleasure started to dissipate, man, then there had to be something else and something else and something else. I declare to you today, church, see and taste that the Lord is good because he is the author of pleasure. And when you genuinely, truly begin to learn how to drink from the water that he has for you, man, Nothing else in this world will satisfy. He truly is the author of pleasure, and his pleasure is 100% authentic and, and fulfilling in every way. I love these verses in Psalm 46 and 4. It says, There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of our God. Isn't that powerful? Psalm 16 and 11 says, Lord, in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The pleasures of the Lord. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Come on. Psalm 23, 5 and 6 says, You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. My cup is running over. Pleasure, the pleasure of the Lord. My cup is running over. It's a result of his holiness that he has called us into to drink, to drink from this river. It says in Psalm 84:11, it says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. And listen to this. It says, No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Holy pleasures forevermore for those pursuing holy pleasures beyond any pleasure of this world for those who are pursuing holy and it's it, it, it isn't uh, 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 trying to live right uh, in our own strength or in our own power minutes again it's gazing on jesus can i just say isn't it tiring Living with you as the center of your life? 
Don't you want to get lost in Him? I want to get lost in Him. There's a river called pleasure. Fullness of joy. There's a river to drink from. There's a person to gaze upon. Come on. There's a voice to hear. More powerful than anything in this world. That will transform you from glory to glory. That will free you from within. Whatever you feed is going to grow. I'm looking within myself. I'm gazing in his glory and then I'm looking within myself. I'm gazing in his glory and I'm looking within myself and I'm feeding. I'm feeding who, <coughs> who is inside of me. I'm feeding who he's created me to be and I'm declaring I am a new creation in Christ. I drink from the river of God's pleasure and it springs up within me, conforming me into his likeness. Come on, man. I'm justified, sanctified, and glorified. Justified, being sanctified and glorified. Come on. I love this scripture in Song of Solomon in chapter 1 and verse 2. And it says, God, your love is better. Your love is better. Your love is better. Your love is better. I'm talking about our response to the holy. And I'm saying, God, your love is better. I'm talking about our response to the holy and our draw to the world and our draw to feed the flesh. And I come back to these scriptures and, 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 and how he, he, he is, his, his pleasure is genuine and it's authentic. In Song of Solomon 1 2, that God, your love is better. That word better means superior. It means superior. So he is, he is better than. His way is better than. His, his, his way is more superior. Come on. His pleasure is more superior than. It is better than anything that we can encounter in this world. Better than. Think, man, don't we want to have a clean conscience and, and, go, and to be able to rest in God and to be able to rest in His pleasure? I, I just declare over you, guys, that, that, that you just you get this in you, that first uh, uh, Timothy 1, and, 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 and you begin to gird up your minds and lock eyes with Jesus and let Him pour grace upon you where you begin to see His holiness and you're drawn to His holiness and you do this in such a way that you leave declaring as it said in song with Solomon, that God, your way is more superior. I choose your way, God. I choose your way. You are what I want. Your holiness is what I long for. Amen? So full of glory, so full of holy inside of you, so full of the pleasure of the Lord, that instead of laying awake half the night trying to go to sleep and then waking up with stuff because, because you're consumed with it, that you're just going to lay down within 10 seconds, sleep in glory. Sleep in glory. Dreams and visions. Come on, somebody. The peace of the Lord just covering your mind because you're just, you just, you've gazed at his glory. You've gazed at his holiness. You've, you've lined yourself up with it. You've looked at who's within you and then who you are now with him inside of you as a new creation and the new DNA that is inside of you. Your desires and your nature and all these things we talked about now change and there's just a peace that's over you because you settled in your heart that he is more superior his way is better, and you're in this journey of holiness. Amen? As you begin to do this, you begin to not feel like you have to hide. Adam, where are you? 
Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? God knew where Adam was. God wasn't calling Adam back out for him to see now that he had become naked or filthy. Adam, Adam knew what he had done. Now all of a sudden, he recognized. He, <coughs> he recognized what he had done. He recognized that they were naked. And they began to cover themselves up with shame. I want to ask you today, where are you, Adam? Because there's nothing, 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 nothing that you've ever done is outside of the reach of the holiness of God. Nothing, nothing, nothing that you've ever done is outside of the reach of the holiness of God. Nothing, 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 nothing you could ever do will separate you from the love of God. And yet he's calling you back to a place of recognizing who you are in him. Adam, come back out here and get close to me. I'm going to cover you. Come on, I'm going to cover you. It's like God was truly calling Adam back in to his identity. God wants to do that within each and every one of us. He wants to show us that he's better. We're going to, as you begin to walk in this, man, it's going to begin to change your thinking. And all of a sudden, you don't feel like you have to hide from God during worship, you know, and, and, or, and, 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 and you just begin to want to feel his pleasures, the pleasure of the Lord in your life. And you begin, to, you begin to love what he loves, and then you begin to hate what he hates. How many agree with me that church, the church needs to begin to hate what he hates? We need to begin to hate what he hates. We need, to, we need to begin to love what he loves. And that happens as we lock eyes with the holy. Amen? This begins to work within us. And he becomes to be more superior in us than anything or anyone in our life. And even when no one else is around and no one is watching, come on. You're so in love with him. You're gazing at him. And you're just declaring, God, your way is better. Your way is better. Your way is better. Genuine happiness and pleasure is living in the fear of the Lord. That's why he's so good that he calls us into the fear of the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. To grow in him and knowledge and understanding is the fear of the Lord. It is to regard him as holy. And as you regard him as holy and you live in the fear of the Lord, that's not binding or confining. Living in the fear of the Lord is actually living free. It's living free. It's drinking from the river. It's living holy. It's looking like our Father from the inside out and stopping this foolishness of trying to get cleaned up and everything looking good on ourselves on the outside. That's exhausting, and you can never do it. But it's looking at Him, letting Him change us from the inside out. Then as you do, it just begins to change you. Can I tell you that this is your inheritance as sons and daughters? to live holy, to be upright, to live uprightly. This is our inheritance. He's empowered us and equipped us to experience and to live in and to dwell in this as our inheritance, to love holiness and to radiate his beauty and his glory. Amen. Let me finish with this. You guys okay? Just, just, a, just a moment here. Something I want to share. I'm not going to read it uh, for time reasons, but I'll encourage you to, but just think about this for just a moment. We're going to have a little bit of altar ministry time. But in, in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 6, in verse 1 through 7, Isaiah was called as a prophet, you know, in a day when his message would be, would be resisted and be rejected. He was being called into a very difficult, difficult, difficult office, okay? 
And so as he was being called in to, to begin his ministry here in Isaiah 6 and 1, the answer to that was a vision of God's holiness. This is what God gave Isaiah to equip him. And this is what God gave him, this dramatic revelation of his holiness, a lot like what I read in Revelation chapter 4, the vision that John got. But this is what it says, and I'll finish with this. There's a, a specific point that I want to draw us to as we close. But Isaiah said that he saw the Lord sitting on the throne. He was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. He saw the Lord. Come on, somebody. How many want to see the Lord? John says, I was in the spirit of the Lord's day. I want to be in the spirit where I can see the Lord. God can give you vision. He can give you dreams, church. But I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, and he was high and lifted up in the train of his robe. This is talking about his glory and his majesty. This is talking about the beauty of your God, where his train literally filled the temple, guys. This is who we're serving. We need this revelation of the majesty of God, of the holiness of God. I'm thankful that, 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 that this bridge has been built finally through church history where people can, can relate to God in an intimate way. I'm thankful for that. But I also think along the way in that we've stopped regarding him as holy. He's not your daddy. He's holy. He's the father of all fathers. Sitting on the throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. And the seraphim stood and they cried out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts and the whole earth is full of his glory. It was a vision Isaiah got of the holiness of God. I'm praying for visions of the holiness of God over this community. I'm praying that you waken in the middle of the night with a vision of the holiness of God. And the love of God's going to be wrapped up in it. It's not going to be to show you how far away from Him you are. It's going to be to show you how closer He's trying to draw you to Him through holiness. Holy, holy, holy. He is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. Here's this vision. So I, my, my, my heart today was not just to speak on the holiness of God, but what's our response? What's our response? Here's Isaiah's vision of the holy, and look at Isaiah's response. He didn't get puffed up. He didn't feel singled out because he was super special. He, it was actually just the opposite of these things. The scripture says that when Isaiah saw the holiness of God, listen now, here's his vision. Glory sitting on the throne. Holy, holy on the throne. The train of the robe, uh, the train of his robe filling the temple. And Isaiah begins to respond. He saw the holiness of God and he saw that he was not. 
It's called being poor in spirit. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We want to see the glory. You want to see the holy. You want to experience heaven on earth. Come on. It's through encountering the holy. It's recognizing that, uh, 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 that, he, that he is transcendently holy. Come on. And that in this, we are drawn in through him. We're becoming holy. We're beginning to live uprightly. We're covered with Christ's righteousness. But in that view, man, it's he is holy. We begin to recognize where we would be without him. This is what was on Isaiah's mind. Now Isaiah then began to confess his unholiness. And, 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 and not only his, but the unholiness of his people. And this is Isaiah's response then. As he begins to cry out in that moment, in this vision, and there he is before the Lord. And this is what Isaiah says. He says, woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me, for I am undone. Let me ask you, do you feel like we're regarding the holy? What's holy? He's holy. Is his word holy? His word is holy. His presence is holy. And everything that we do, we see holy because he's everywhere. Here Isaiah was in this place of this vision of seeing holy. And he's, he answers and he says, Oh God, woe is me for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, God. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Isn't that powerful? And then one of the seraphim, in that moment, flew over to Isaiah. The scripture says that the seraphim took a live coal from the altar. Now the coal was on the altar. The coal in that moment was holy. And the seraphim flew over to Isaiah and he took a coal from the altar. And he touched, he touched Isaiah's lips with the coal. And the seraphim says to Isaiah, he said, Behold, this has now touched your lips. Remember, I'm talking about holiness will begin to take root in you when you recognize holies inside of you. And now, the seraphim said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Your sin is purged. The more clear your view of the splendor and holiness of God, the lower, the lower you will become. In humility, in reverence, in, 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 in giving and growing in regard to, to His holiness. Amen? And then beginning to see your inheritance to live holy. And I think about this scripture and I think about what Isaiah saw and, and, and what God was giving him in regarding the holy. And Isaiah's honesty before that, God, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. And the seraphim taking that coal and touching Isaiah's lips with it man and then saying hey your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged out and 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 uh, I just I want to I want to I want to say tonight I was just wondering if you think that God can cleanse and purge Isaiah with the burning coal from the altar then let me ask you do you think that God can cleanse and purge and set you free by what's inside of you Isaiah got touched on his lips with a call. You've been given holy to dwell inside of you, 
to cleanse you, to purge you, to empower you, to live a life, come on, as a son and a daughter of a king that's pursuing holiness as our, as our eyes are locked upon the Holy One. Amen. You guys good? Whoosh. I think I'll have uh, uh, Craig and the team, if they want to come, and I want to think about this. I want to do something very specific. I feel like we're supposed to engage here. Whew. Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I'm undone. We have an opportunity as God's revealing His holiness in this house this morning as we're encountering His holiness, as we're encountering His glory, as we're recognizing holy that's inside of us. And His calling, His calling and empowering us to step in, to pursue and to walk in His holiness. To respond as Isaiah did and said, God, woe is me, I'm undone, I'm undone, I'm undone, I'm undone. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, God. Then I think back of that, that act of Moses when the rock, and I'm like, you know, sometimes we justify things of what we think is sin or what we think isn't sin or this or that and why don't, why don't we just go back to the word and let the word decide, define sin and, and live with the revelation that God's not changed his mind and what it is just because of where culture's at today God, Jesus wants you free he paid for you to be free and he paid for you to live in freedom Amen and just really begin to look at ourselves before the Lord in light of his holiness as it says right there in 1 Timothy in chapter 4, man, that we begin to see him in this way. He said, be holy for I'm holy. So I'm going to pour grace upon you as you, as you lay yourself out before the Lord, as you lock eyes with Jesus. I'm going, to, I'm going to pour grace upon you and I'm going to empower you to rise up and to live in holiness if I've called you to be holy. So I'm going to ask just for some transparency in this house this morning because I know this I know this message convicted me when the Holy Spirit was laying this thing out for me this week. And I, I, my, I mean, my heart in everything that I do, I want to be holy. I want to be right. I want to be pleasing to the Lord. And then yet I know I'm a man. I still know I'm a man. I still know that I have fallen, that I've, I've had shortcomings, I've had mistakes and this and that and whatever that it is. And I just, man, I just, God's got so much more. He's better. His way is so much more superior, guys. His way is so much more superior. He's calling us to step up into it. So I don't know what it is, but I'm calling you, man, be undone this morning. Be undone this morning. Be undone this morning. Whatever you've allowed into your life, be undone with it. Be undone with it. Whatever you're carrying, be undone with it. Whatever you've allowed into your heart, whatever's in the hidden place. You might be able to worship good and look good, but whatever's in you that you know is not of God, come on, man. If there's jealousy, if there's pride, if there's lust, whatever that it is, get rid of it. Become undone.
this morning. Become undone this morning. Step into that scripture, man, in 1 Timothy. And let God begin to pierce your heart, man. Let Him begin to pour His holiness over you, man. Let Him begin to touch you. Let Him begin to touch you. Let holy, just as, just as that cold touched Isaiah's lips, let holy drink of the river in you this morning, church. Drink of the river and let that river begin to spring up. Let it begin to become like a fountain in you, man. Begin to step into the pleasures of God again, experiencing His fullness by stepping into the holy. Holy, holy, holy. Amen. So I'm just going to have the team lead us in worship, and I'm just going to open up this altar for you to come and, and, and confess just between you and the Lord. Just between you and the Lord. Just come. I'm undone. I'm undone. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, God. There's things in me I want out. I want my sin purged away. I want holy in me to burn in me, to purify me, God. I want to lay things at your feet. I want to be free. I'm a new creation in Christ. I don't want to drink the world's water. Jesus, I want to drink the water. I want to drink from your cup. I want your cup. I want living water. I don't want my life to be dry anymore. I want a fountain, a fountain, a fountain, a river. I want a river, a river of life flowing through me, God. So I repent and I lay everything at your feet this morning that's not from you. Amen? Stand with me if you would. I'm just going to have them play. And I'm just going to let you have time, uh, private time alone with the Lord. Just to come out and just say, Lord, I want to see you holy. I want to see your holiness, God. I want to see your glory, God. Anything within me, God, that's not from you, Lord, let it be broken off in my life, God. Your way is better. Your way is superior, Lord. Free my heart. Break the sin off of me this morning, Lord. Everything within me that's not holy, God. Strip it, strip it from me. Strip it from me in Jesus' name. Holy. Holy, 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 holy. Holy, 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 holy. Holy, 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 holy. Holy God. Holy God. Let the train of your robe fill the temple, God. Let a holy desire rest upon your church, God. Let a holy desire rest upon your church, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Let's give the Lord a praise offering. Just thank Him for His Word, His living Word. Let me pray over you real quick. Let me pray over you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your call, God, of calling us into holiness, God, of calling us into upright living, God, of calling us into our inheritance, calling us into our identity, God. Lord, we make, we make legal decisions sometimes that gives the enemy open access into our lives. So, God, I just speak over this house and every man and every woman that we break agreement. We break agreement with everything that we've allowed and where we've allowed the enemy in our life and where we've given him access. We break covenant with that. We break agreement with it in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we make covenant with you. We make covenant with your holiness. 
we make covenant with your will and desire over us as new creations in Christ and that we step into that and that we truly begin to live with the fear of the Lord and with, with fear and trembling, God, that we work out our salvation, Lord, because we understand and we live in the revelation that you are better, you are superior. All that you are is superior to everything counterfeit in this world. And we put our faith in you. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time.